Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Good morning and welcome to Chai FM right here. And oh, <laughs> we are Chai FM. Welcome to Tech Talk right here on Chai FM. I got a little muddled this morning. Anyway, um, great, interesting, mad week for tech, I must admit. And one of the least, well, it is a tech story. It's all about space, space exploration, and the first car in space. I mean, what can you say? The launch of the Falcon Heavy rocket by Tesla. Well, it's actually by SpaceX. And on board was a Tesla Roadster. So the coolest thing I think that's happened in many, many, many years. Space exploration has become so humdrum. You really don't hear about anything. People landed on the moon. They talked about going off to Mars on a one-way suicide mission, all that sort of stuff. But it hasn't really been cool. Well, this week, Elon Musk decided he's going to make space cool. But what is really interesting is that the backstory is very simple. SpaceX has been operating in the space business for quite a few years. They send satellites up to orbit, charge a lot of money for that, and have been doing quite a great job. But what he did this time was launch the largest uh, rocket into space, um, and its payload was a Tesla Roadster, one of the brand-new Roadsters he launched late last year. And even cooler, there was a space suit-wearing dummy with its left arm you know, draped over the car door like he was going for an afternoon drive. And on the radio, they were playing David Bowie's um, um, music. So really cool. And then, just to make it even better, they had on the on on um, screen uh, display "Don't Panic" from uh, Adams's uh, book. <laughs> anyway, so it's just such a cool little hint at all the cool stuff that's been going on in space travel over the last little little while. And one of the coolest tech parts about the whole Falcon Heavy launch was very simple. The boosters that pushed the the, um, spaceship into space actually came back to Earth under their own power and landed. And the benefit of that really simply cuts the cost of space exploration unbelievably because up to now, the boosters that they've used to launch these rockets into space have all either self-destructed or landed in the sea and sunk. Um, And although one of the, there were three boosters, two of them landed on their own power, but the last booster unfortunately did crash down at about 320 miles an hour into the sea and half destroyed itself, but they still recovered it and um, saved a little bit of money that way. But very, very, very interesting what he's doing. And we expect to see even more launches, more interesting stuff. But the coolest thing, just go and have a look on the web. Have a look at all the screenshots of this Tesla Roadster cruising through space with a a spaceman uh, on board driving it. And the spaceman's using um, the new SpaceX sort of space suits which look super cool just like the movies very science fictiony but it's kudos to elon musk and the whole team there to do such a thing and to set a car into orbit apparently it did overshoot a little and instead of going to mars it's going to land up somewhere near venus or i'm not sure somewhere near the asteroid belt and be cruising around there for a couple of billion years but it's really very very interesting another little cool tech thing every single um circuit board that was used 
on this particular launch have got a little fun touch. It's got made on earth by humans printed on the circuit boards so that uh, if anyone ever finds the stuff, they know exactly where they came from. Now, moving on from, again, one of the coolest things that I've seen, we are talking today, and it's just a really fascinating interview, um, about a subject that's close to pretty much everyone's heart, credit. We're talking to Lee Nake. He's the CEO of TransUnion Africa. Now, TransUnion is one of the rating agencies in South Africa. So when you go to the bank, you apply for a loan, um, you go to an insurance company, you want to try to get some insurance. These are the guys that keep all your historical data and, you know, give that information to the banks in, to enable them to make the decisions that they need to make with regard to your credit. Well, they've launched a brand new system. Well, it's in fact a platform called Credit Vision. And over the, the years, we've been talking about big data. We've been talking about AI. We've been talking about smart machines. We've been talking about all the stuff that this is going to do to benefit us and how it's going to change the way that we do business, the way that we do everything for that matter. And this is actually one of the most concrete examples of how masses of data, apparently credit um, TransUnion have been around for over 100 years, collected tons of data about all sorts of things. This is one of the first times that data, the use of data and um, the platforms that connect to that data will actually make a tangible difference to all our lives. But stay tuned. Listen in 1120. Uh, it's a fascinating chat. Gives you a little bit more insight and some of the benefits that may accrue. You must listen carefully because there's some stuff happening with the various banks that you as a, a customer need to be aware of and to talk to your bank about. Could even save you a little bit of money. Don't say we don't bring you the good news um, right here on uh, High FM. Now, another thing that crossed my desk, and this is great news for those of you who, you know, work in rugged environments, plumbers, builders, anybody who works, miners, you name it, anyone who works in a really tough environment, or anyone with kids who've got kids that really trash their phones. Um, I've been playing, and they've launched it. I'll do a full review quite soon. But... Um, there's a new phone from Cat. Now, Cat are the people, Caterpillar. They do all those big uh, tractors and whatnot. This is the same brand, so not the same company. But it, there's a new phone. It's called the S41 smartphone, which is super rugged, running Android. It's solid. It's fully IP68 waterproof. You can drop it into two meters. You can run it over with a bulldozer. Um, it is, without doubt, one of the most rugged uh, phones that I've ever played with. It's made to mil-spec uh, durability. It really can handle drops from two, three meters onto concrete. You can jump on it. You can s mess around with it. I must say that if you're in the business of um, anything that needs a rugged phone where you need to stay connected, this might be the one to look at. As I said, I'll bring a full review um, in the next couple of weeks, but I have been super impressed. Got a great camera, runs Android, um, massive, it's a bit big and chunky, but a massive 5,000 milliamp battery, which is pretty much two to three days worth of use. So a really smartphone, um, it's not uh, pretty by any any measure, but I think once you need something that's rugged, waterproof, uh, definitely uh, solid with a great camera, decent large screen, that's quite a quite a good thing. And we'll be back um, straight after this ad break. But again, if you're looking for a solid, rugged phone that can take pretty much anything, the new Cat S41, available pretty much anywhere, is available now in South Africa. 
Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, welcome back. And, of course, the conversation around every dinner table and over the holidays was definitely all about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. In fact, I was even approached in a parking lot by uh, one of the gentlemen who assists in guarding the cars to ask me what I knew about Bitcoin and is it a good investment so you can make some money. So it's definitely a lot more. Cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin are no longer fringe things that, um, you know, keep – the techies and the geekies and the investment community, you know, interested. It has really, really become a mainstream topic of conversation. Whether it's a topic for investment is another thing. But essentially, the last two months have seen the most remarkable, you know, activity in Bitcoin. It started off at under ten thousand dollars, screamed all the way up by the end of December, beginning of January, to twenty thousand dollars, and then promptly plummeted down to. Um, under $6,000 per Bitcoin. And now it's just jumped back up $2,000 for Bitcoin. And everyone keeps asking me, first of all, what is Bitcoin? It is essentially a virtual currency. It does not exist outside of the computer systems that it works upon. Um, And there is no... There are ways you can get money into Bitcoin and out of Bitcoin using normal standard currencies, but there is no way to own a Bitcoin physically in the real world. It all sits in a wallet. It all sits in a, a list of, of numbers, and it is in many ways totally secure, but there are a lot of challenges around it. One, it's a fairly small currency. It's not something as big as the dollar, the yen. So when it trades and when people trade, it tends to jump up and down like mad. And it has become a bit of a problem in terms of scamming. So there are tons and tons and tons of scams. So if you're interested in playing with Bitcoin, if you're interested in even just fiddling around with it, the app that I use and that a ton of people use in South Africa is called Luno, L-U-N-O, available on, on, an, on an iPhone and an Android phone. It's available on your computer as well. Uh, Just go to luno.co.za. And um, they're a a reputable company, and they are what is known as a Bitcoin exchange. You can buy Bitcoin. You can sell Bitcoin. You can invest in Bitcoin. And for me, uh, the little bit that I bought in December last year has just been the worst investment I've made for ages. So it's definitely not something to put your life savings into or your retirement into, but it's definitely a very interesting thing with lots of interesting tech associated with it that definitely is going to become more and more relevant as we go forward. But uh, it has been a roller coaster ride. There's no question that <laughs> it has. some people have made a lot of money and other people have lost a lot of money. But that is the nature of Bitcoin, unfortunately. And we are going to see more and more activity around the space. The only thing I can say that being a cryptocurrency, being a virtual currency that exists only on computer systems around the world, this will always be very speculative. So from a technology point of view, the underlying tech, the blockchain, which you'll hear about all over the show, the blockchain technology, which underpins currencies like Bitcoin, Bitcoin being the biggest and probably the most well-known, there are many, many, many others, um, are certainly going to change the way that we transact, the way that we work, because once you've got a connected world as we do, you can do so many things. You don't need to send papers and contracts and stuff all over the show. So be aware, it jumped up. Uh, some guys are saying it could hit $50,000 this year, which is, you know, good 
good portion of one and a half million rand per Bitcoin. So if you own one, just keep them. But um, it could very well run down to nothing. So just be aware that Bitcoin is definitely um, something that uh, is, I think, of more interest than a true currency or, for that matter, a true store value or investment. But it's just a great way to get into the whole thing and understand what's going on. The other one that you can trade on Luno, just by the by, is Ethereum, which you may or may not heard of. And uh, it also has been extremely volatile. In fact, the two tend to just track each other incredibly closely. But it is very quickly becoming a mainstream product. It's getting the interest of the tax man. It's just interesting to see how this from nowhere, from an idea, from an algorithm, um, something has just developed into something quite as big and as interesting as Bitcoin. Now, before we get to uh, our interview at uh, 20 past, there's one I, I get... Obviously, we all spend a lot of time watching TV, and more and more of us now spend time watching streaming TV, with a big daddy being Netflix. And Netflix kindly keep me informed and tell me of all the latest stuff that's coming in the next little while. And a series that I've been watching for, a, you know, I watched the first series last year, is called um, Jessica Jones. Now, just by the by, uh, that is part of the whole Marvel range of of programs you either like them or you don't they're based on the comic books from marvel they tend to be a little bit violent for those of you that don't like violence and they're pretty gritty and they've had a couple of misses but generally the 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 various parts of the whole um series out of the marvel stable luke cage iron fist um, daredevil um and there have been a pretty interesting and well-presented range of TV that only is available on uh, Netflix. And they've launched uh, quite a few interesting and very, very powerful um, series such as The Punisher, which I quite enjoy. But if you're interested and you have been watching or you haven't watched Jessica Jones, the series two is coming out very soon. And if you go to uh, Netflix's website, or if you go onto Netflix itself, if you're connected, you can watch the teaser. Um, and it's it's really very, very, very gritty, very tough, very interesting viewing, and um, it's really well done. So it's it's a whole different sort of world. That it's very a lot of analogs with what goes on in the real world, but it is a world apart, and it's part of the whole fantasy of superpowers and things like that. So if you're interested, you can go and have a look on the Netflix website and just look for Jessica Jones or you can follow them on Facebook you get all the latest stuff but it's really very very interesting to see how quickly um, the amount of content that is coming out on Netflix and other platforms like Showmax and Amazon Prime although Amazon Prime seems to be lagging considerably in terms of content certainly in South Africa um, but all these streaming services definitely are becoming better and better at bringing out more and more content that uh, is worth watching. So if you're ever lost for an evening and you want to binge watch something a little bit gritty, a little bit interesting, a little bit off the wall, uh, I highly recommend Jessica Jones. And um, of the other um, Marvel series, the only one that I did not enjoy at all was Iron Fist can ignore that one but the Luke Cage and the Daredevil are great series and most of them have come back for two series so 
watch. Stay tuned, listen in, and uh, watch some really interesting stuff on Netflix. They certainly seem to be bringing more and more content. I've been checking the USA version versus the South African version. And with the obvious, with a couple of exclusions, they are getting very, very close. I think they're doing a great job at bringing some of the best, um, you know, the best programming to Netflix around the world, South Africa. And in fact, what is really interesting is they're bringing a lot of series that are only available like um, Star Trek. Star Trek is only available on Netflix South Africa, whereas it's uh, not available on Netflix America because you've got to get that on CBS. So I think they're doing quite a good job in South Africa and globally to bring more and more really interesting content to more and more of us. So we will be back straight after this with our interview with Lee Nake. And um, it's just really fascinating to see how big data is changing the way we do business. And there's some real tangible benefits for you and I. So stay tuned, listen in, and I think you'll be quite amazed at what is going on in the world of big data and credit. Kyofan Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And we've got someone really interesting to talk to this time. And it's all about money in some ways. One way or the other, we end up talking about money. And there's a big tech angle to this. So it's not odd that I've got Lee Nake, who is the CEO of TransUnion Africa. And he's got some really interesting stuff to talk about. They've launched a brand new product um, or not so much a brand new product, but a, a brand new wrinkle on what they do. But I'm not going to describe it. I think uh, welcome to the show, Lee. Tell us a little bit about what you guys announced yesterday and um, wh- and, and just what it does and how it does it. Because uh, I found it fascinating. But let's see if we can make it understandable for those out there. Stephen, thanks for having me on the show. So yesterday we launched a product called Credit Vision. And... Ultimately, what it does is revolutionize the way banks and lenders extend credit to consumers on the street. Uh, what banks typically do is they make decisioning on, on whether to extend credit, be it for a vehicle, a mortgage, a personal loan, based on your credit profile as well as your affordability set of criteria. And what we found is that the way of that, that happening over a period of time has become quite standardized. And, and largely, there are n- new technologies and new data available to help us better understand the consumer. And when you consider the kind of climate we're in right now, almost 28% unemployment, uh, low GDP growth, very, very high levels of pressure and disposable income, the question's been asked, how do you change the way we go about extending credit? And are there people that are being socially excluded, financially included, and what can you do about that? So our offering called Credit Vision changes everything up by looking at alternative data that surrounds a consumer and finds micro-trends that tells us whether customers have a chance of reforming and rehabilitating. And ultimately, this can help banks and lenders extend credit to consumers that struggle to get into the mainstream credit facilities. Now, that's, that's a hugely interesting topic because I think everybody at some point, well, not everybody, there's a whole lot of people are not in the formal sector, but most people who are credit active have been vetted or have somehow either been awarded credit or declined credit by a bank, and they use systems such as yours, or the banks rather, the people who deliver credit, um, use your systems to inform them on your credit worthiness, etc., etc. And you mentioned something really interesting. Um, 
that has always been a static process. What do you mean by that? What is a static process? Or rather, what made up the traditional way of, of scoring someone? Well, what banks typically do is they do what we, what we call a point-in-time look back at the individual. So most banks or lenders or retailers, any, any provider that extends a credit to you, typically looks back 24 months uh, at your history as a credit user. And that static look back may give us the indications of how to score you based on historical trends. But what it doesn't do is promote... I was getting to that. So now we're moving on to what you're going to be doing with your new platform. That's right. And, and the important thing is when you look back, you do pick up patterns that inform how you work today. But it doesn't tell us about how you'll behave in future. Now, with the advent of artificial intelligence and all these really advanced algorithms, we've been able to... See, I told you there was a tech angle on this. Of course there is. (laughs) Well, it's important to note that we have so much data available. We've struggled to process the data. We've spent a lot of time last year investing in the very best technology, uh, very high-end, real-time analytical platforms to actually crunch all the data. When you take all the data and all the technology and you apply these new algorithms that are what we call trended data algorithms. So is Stephen trending upwards or is he trending downwards? And our ability to now predict in a much, much clearer way the direction of a of a credit consumer, it does in fact change the game. What we found, Stephen, is that in South Africa where we have fifty five million people, around twenty four million credit active people. It's quite a huge percentage considering it is, a, it is a big percentage, but even more worrying is that the extent of the, the usage of disposable income towards servicing debt, we're talking about almost 73% of the national disposable income goes towards servicing debt. So you're that right. That is a huge statistic. I mean, considering where we are, the country we live in, that's a massive amount. 73% of your disposable income is used to service debt, which is historical, old debt, in other words. That's right. And I think the the regulator, the NCR in this case, has done a lot to help curtail some of that very loose spending. So there's a lot of prudency being applied both in terms of the lenders, but also in terms of the regulator and now the consumer to be a lot more careful when taking on credit, but also extending credit. But when we looked at this problem and said, as opposed to being on the back foot and almost blocking access to credit, could we find a new set of emerging consumers that are actually potentially good customers for lenders that come into play? Now, what Credit Vision does is by looking at alternative data. And what do I mean by alternative data? Well, that's, yeah, I was going to ask that question. So let's, let's explore that a little. So alternative data tells us additional information about you. Now, when you come across an individual at a credit bureau, when we come across what we call an inquiry, meaning a banker's asked us, do we know Stephen Ambrose? We either have a record, what we call a thick file on you, or we have a thin file. And what a thin file means is that we've stored the inquiry about you, but we found that beyond the inquiry, there is actually no credit history. It's so a very I've got no accounts. I've, got, I've never really been involved correct. in the credit business. So you either have nothing or you have a very limited amount, but it's so limited that we can't actually score you or the bank can't score you. Now, what we found is that... Let's just explore that for a second. So what happens in that instance? You've got a thin file, you get an inquiry, and you've got no real information. So you either give a very low score or no score. Is that how the system works right now? A couple things happen. One, uh, ultimately the bank makes a decision whether to take you on and extend the facility. In one regard, they can decide not to extend the facility based on the lack of a credit history 
or in many cases, they actually impose further requirements on extending the facility. For example, a larger deposit, right? Okay, makes higher sense. Higher interest rates. Okay. So your risk profile is higher given that lack of information potentially about you. Now, that's where credit vision changes the game. By asking additional questions, for example, you may have a very limited credit history, but when we correlate where you stay, for example, a specific suburb code and all the individuals that live in that code, could we infer something about you, the person? That's that very interesting. There? I mean, that's got nothing to do with your credit behavior. That's right. But I'm inferring a behavior linked to an entire suburb's credit behavior, okay. which, is, which is really compelling. That's mind-blowing, actually. So, but that's one example. What about things like employment? Where are you employed? What kind of employment? And could you infer something about your credit behavior based on that? What about... And I mean, for example, I've, I've never borrowed money. I've never had a credit history, but I've got a good job with a reputable company and I've been there for a long while. What would the, the information that you've stored about similar... I assume you use other people, people in my, my position, to give you information about what I might do. Is that what the algorithm does? Well, it's a whole series of algorithms. Yeah. These are no, I'm just saying I'm picking on one little the specific, element. The specific one figure are based on the job you have mm. or the employee you have, and probably an income proxy estimator. So we could figure out based on information you gave us an inference of what you earn. If you link that to the suburb, it probably puts you into a certain LSM bracket and gives us a better feel about you, the consumer. So by, by overlapping mounds and mounds of data, we can infer things about you. Now, you may ask, Lee, that sounds quite risky, but what we've actually done with Credit Vision is that we've taken a model that was built first in the United States, taken to Canada, taken to Hong Kong, taken to India. We spent about two years localizing that. We've gone backwards and forwards in proving it out using actual local client information. That's fascinating. So when you talk about artificial intelligence, and we all kind of talk about if you can <laughs> Google it, it's all about gimmicky. Yeah. But this is artificial intelligence hitting the ground and making a difference. What, we, what we've done is we've been able to quantify that in this economically active space where only 25 million of probably a 30 plus million economically active base actually has access to the formal credit market, in that space that lies in between, we found potentially up to 3 million good consumers that come into that formal credit market. Which couldn't be scored properly with the traditional sort of platforms that existed up to now. That's correct. And there's a couple of things to think about. One, are these people that, that come in from places like their lower LSMs that are now joining the formal credit market? So they could have, for example, a basic retail account. It could be a millennial that's just left home, gotten to university, and they have a very thin profile once again. It could equally be somebody that has existing credit, but given the history of behavior, we can actually forecast them being a better client in future. So what Credit Vision does, it helps bring new consumers that are good consumers into the banking and the lending sector, the telco sector, but it also allows existing consumers... And you going to get to that. So it actually, it's not only about bringing new people in, but it's having another look at the people that already exist in the, in the, in the market. I would, I would almost state it as a, as a threefold benefit. For the consumer, 
that is wants to get access to formal credit facilities, and they may get access right now from a micro loan provider, from a loan shark, a machinisa, at a much higher interest rate. So that's the one benefit, giving them access for the first time to a credit market and now making them scorable, which is always a prerequisite to get into the system. Fair the, point. The second thing is that you're now part of the system, and when you got into the system, you had the imposition of maybe higher deposits or higher interest rate. Now, as credit vision gets been taken up by the banks and by the lenders, they can start to see patterns of your ability to be a better customer. For example, does Stephen pay on time? Does he pay extra? Does he pay behind? The actual trend in the data tells us a lot more about your ability to be a better customer. And we expect in future that this will start to allow consumers to get better deals from their banks. It'll also be a way, Stephen, for a bank to find a way to keep you sticky as a customer. So they, to retain you as a customer for further credit or further Absolutely. services or whatever. And it would be remiss of me not to talk about the economic impact. You know, our entire economy is largely consumer industry driven, whether it's retail, vehicle, clothing. And if these industries take on new consumers that are good consumers, you should see an uptick in the economic lift in the years ahead as well. So our vision is that when credit vision comes into play and we're expecting the first kind of benefit to hit the market around the middle of the year, we already have three financial institutions on board, two retailers and three insurers busy signing up to use this kind of advanced technology. When the benefit hits, we expect the threefold impact on the lending provider, on the consumer, and in the longer term, hopefully, on the economy itself. So it actually, you know, I mean, credit has always got a bit of a bad rap. There's been a lot of talk about irresponsible lending and too much credit and how people are over-indebted. And I mean, the recent huge bubble uh, in in, in the Western world that popped around credit that was perhaps irresponsibly given has created an environment where people may be a little scared of credit. Do you believe a system like this that takes much more data rather than simple behavior or credit behavior into account, will that change the way that that companies and lenders work around credit? Do you think it will help rehabilitate credit's reputation a little bit? For sure it does. In my view, credit vision gives you more transparency into the person and the kind of agreement that you have. So, for example, if you could predict that an individual is about to go into distress months before they actually got to a distress point, you can prevent a person from going to default and potentially going into a judgment-type situation. Right now, it's quite difficult to predict that. One can only do it when you see the pattern. So that's that's an added element. It's not only predicting the granting of credit, but if you're scoring someone on this basis on an ongoing thing, the banks can actually say, this doesn't look right. The data is showing that there could be a problem with this guy in three months' time or down the road. Yeah, and and, and in all fairness, it's important for us to start to expose that to the actual consumer. So you'd remember that every consumer is entitled to one free credit report. I was going to get there. You know, let's let's look at it from a pure consumer's point of view. I'm a I'm a general consumer. I buy a home. I buy a car. I'm I'm exposed. I've got credit card debt. What what are the direct benefits? Because this is a service to my bank. It's not a, a consumer service. We'll talk about being able to get my own report now. But it's, it's a service to the big banks. And the big banks, as, as lenders that I deal, are going to use a platform like this to, to manage my profile. What are the benefits for me 
directly. You mentioned one or two, like maybe a better interest rate, lower deposit, but are there direct benefits for the consumer on a platform like this through the various institutions I deal with? Well, they are. I think the first thing to think about is that this allows you to get transparency into your own financial setup and the insights is important for you to get control back. So we've always used credit reports as a vehicle to get you insight. Once you start to introduce things like the behavioral trends in your own financial habits, and you start to see that, it allows you to make more informed decisions. And a more as informed a consumer, consumer yeah. right, it changes the game up. Now, it, doesn't allow, it does allow you to choose a bank that will give you the best rate linked to your behavior. And for the first time, your behavior allows you to almost command better rates with that's, the bank. That's actually a very interesting point. So all of a sudden, you go to Bank A, who uses your platform. They'll give you a much more nuanced offering based on your profile rather than another bank that works on a very simple, static type environment. And they could be quite different um, offerings completely. That's right. Every bank will have a different methodology. It's not just banks, it's lenders in general. Yeah. They all have different methodologies, different decisioning platforms. But those that use Credit Vision, we believe, will have greater insight to make more micro-nuanced decisions. We've been calling this hashtag, hashtag the real me. Okay. And we think by knowing more about the consumer, it'll help both the consumer make better decisions, but also help lenders understand the consumer better, specifically in a struggling time where that disposable income is under so much pressure, by the banks knowing more about the consumer, the, the benefit, the reciprocation is that the consumer should in theory get a better deal. And that better deal can be used to get other deals, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you can save a little bit here and save a little bit there, potentially you're a better target or a better prospect for financial services to sell additional services on which they can make money. Very simply put, when, when banks, lenders, insurers, telcos consider you to take on a product or take on a credit, they look at your holistic view or the cohesive view of yourself. The reality is that if Credit Vision can help improve that view, you become a better customer for better deals, for actually taking on new products or getting better incentives, loyalty or interest rates. So all in all, the consumer wins and we think the lending economy will benefit as well while propping up the economy over the medium term. That makes, makes a lot of sense. And then you mentioned um, that this is just the beginning of the, of the data journey, of the information journey. There are a couple of things that you're looking at in, in the nearest future, which again will help consumers. You, you mentioned that consumers have the ability to get a report from you, and that report is now going to be informed by this system in the nearish future. That's right. So the very first thing we're doing right now is trying to take credit vision, which is now available to the lending community immediately, and then start to take that very same perspective that lenders have that you mentioned earlier, Stephen, and allow that same lens to be provided to the consumer. So as we start to build up a newer version of our credit report, the behavioral trend or the trended data view will now be included in those reports and we expect that to be available by the middle of the year. And you, you, you mentioned a really fascinating stat. There are 25 million credit active people and only and every one of them is entitled to a report once a year. Free on of their, charge. Free of charge on their credit. And how many did you say only take that up? 600,000 only. So a tiny amount actually check their own credit. And it's, it's vital to check your credit on a regular basis. Absolutely. So how would people go about checking their credit with you guys for free, which I love that. 
nothing well, better than a for free promotion. Well, there's quite a few ways to do it. Uh, it's important to know that the national credit regulator imposes this requirement on us. So you're allowed to go to any bureau and get this report. Okay. In the case of TransUnion, 0861-482-482. 0861-482-482. You call that number. Give them your details and off you go. That's it. After a few checks and balances, you're entitled to get your free report. You can go to our website, transunion.co.za, and get it electronically should you wish to not talk to a person. Okay, right? fair enough. Which is important to note in that why the 600,000 is such a low number is that people don't want to talk about their finances. And when you consider the level of indebtedness, there's some level of understanding as to why that happens, right? Fair, fair point. So people are a little touchy about who they owe to what. That's right. But they can get this report, and it shows everything, shows who's asked for, for information about them and what their score is. Well, basically, reports have three things. It has personal information. So if your address is wrong, you can pick that up. Uh, it has all the accounts you have and their payment profile. It also stores defaults and judgments that we have about you. Okay, right? so if there's anything you don't know about, or even if you do know about, all the details are there. This is information for good. We want you to get on top of it. Having information allows you to get control back in your lives to make you live a healthier life and a better quality of life. And that, that's brilliant. And the new, uh, the new platform will actually enhance that considerably going forward. And you say that. So two things are going to happen. One, the people you've signed up to use this new platform are going to start implementing it in the next couple of months. So by June, July, they should actually, we should see the benefits coming. That's through. right. And at the same time, you'll be rolling out your new report p- platform, which will give some of that benefit directly to the consumer as well. So it could be a really interesting time. I think we'll have to pick this conversation up in June, July and see if uh, anything's actually popped out of that because it would be fascinating to see. For sure. But anyway, unfortunately, 20 minutes flies by really quickly. But remember, you can go to the transunion.co.za website. All the information is there. You, if you're a, a lender, might be a great platform to uh, use. And if you're a consumer, go find out what's going on with your credit. Thanks so much for joining us, Lee. And we'll take this up again. I'll make a note in my diary in six months' time to discuss what's happened. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back. And again, as I said, a fascinating discussion about how big data, how analytics, how knowing more about you as a consumer can actually make a a significant difference in your life. If your banks could know more, um, judge you better, understand where you are, they maybe could help you better and um, assist with services, prices that just actually make a difference in your life. So, Stay tuned to this. I am going to follow this up. And I do think that uh, these platforms working in conjunction with the major credit providers will bring a big difference to the country. And the one point Lee made, which really didn't come through that strongly, is that as much as credit has got a bad rap, we live in a world where it is difficult to afford a house cash, almost impossible. Very few people can buy a car cash. Credit is a factor in the way we run our lives, do things. And If they can get 3 million people into the official credit um, market at good rates, commercial bank rates, not uh, micro lender rates, and get those people to buy goods and services and participate in the general economy, that could have a huge uplift in the general um, growth of the country. So things like this have absolutely direct benefit. And um, kudos to the guys 
for doing this. I, I think Lee is onto something really interesting, and I think TransUnion uh, onto a, a clever, a, you know, a, a clever platform that's going to change things for the better, which is not always the case when you deal with uh, money in the banks. Things tend to get a little out of hand. But anyway, moving on to, again, one of my more favorite parts of the of the show, and that is gadgets and gizmos. And right here in the studio, Craig doesn't even notice, but I always arrive with laptops, so he can't really see what I've got. But what I've got is a 2018 Dell XPS 13. And in fact, it is the first XPS 13 2018 model in the country. There is no other in this country at this stage. And it was brought in by Dell themselves just to show people what is possible. I saw it at CES 2018. And the XPS range is their high-end prosumer product. It is expensive. It competes directly with the MacBook Pros and other high-end products from HP and um, Lenovo and these guys. And it without doubt has been highly reviewed. The XPS range has been noted as one of the finest laptops on the market for the last three, four years. And in in essence, other than updating the internals, the latest Intel processors, um, new memory uh, configurations, faster hard drives, they've they've done basically nothing to the XPS 13. So if you had an XPS XPS 13 or 15 from 2015, it looked identical to the one they launched late December with the 8th generation Intel processors um, right now. So they did very little. But at CES and for 2018, they have pretty much refreshed the, the product considerably. It's still extremely um, recognizable. The minute you take it out and show it, it is a super compact, um, beautifully built laptop with uh, aluminum or aluminum top and when you open it a sort of carbon fiber look to the to the keypad area and an incredibly bezel-less you know slim bezel-less screen so you're getting a 13 inch uh, screen in an 11 inch body and it's super light and always had great battery life well the new um the new XPS 13 for 2018 simply gets souped up some more and shrunk down a little so it's around about 30% slimmer um, the one I'm playing with is the one with a 4K ultra-high-resolution screen, though you can get it in a standard HD 1080 screen, which is probably the better buy because, one, um, not everybody can use an ultra-high-resolution screen. for It looks great for videos, but it doesn't really work for pretty much anything else. Um, and it eats a lot more battery, so that's quite a, a thing to worry about. And it comes in the Core i5 and Core i7 with different levels of memory and RAM. They're not going to be cheap. They'll probably run from about 25,000 Rand retail up to about 40,000 Rand, depending on the configuration. But this one is full house, full touch screen, full 4K um, screen, ultra sharp, probably one of the nicest, clearest screens I've seen on any laptop ever. Very, very sensitive to touch. They've improved the trackpad no end. It is really as good as any other trackpad. And I mean, Apple always had the, the sort of space own that space their trackpads are always exceptional um this one is in that league no question it also comes with a terabyte of um, m.2 which is the fastest hard drive on the market and 16 gigs of ram so it can pretty much do absolutely anything it's got um the microsoft hello cameras so it's got the only thing is a bit odd is the cameras are at the bottom, not the top of the screen. So you tend to get a chin view when you're on Skype, which is 
quite interesting. Sometimes it's flattering, sometimes not. But you can just look at the screen and unlock your, your PC. The fingerprint reader is built into the on switch. And overall, it's really much less wedgy uh, than the previous version. It's smooth. It's slick. It's really quite a, a massive improvement. The keyboard is outstanding, I must say. Backlit, obviously. Um, and really nice to type on. It's got good travel, good click. So in the market, um, well, there are two things that are happening now. One, the older generation XPS 13, using the latest 8th generation Intel processor with all the latest technology, um, is available at pretty good prices on the market right now. But the new XPS 13, the 2018 version, if you want probably the finest Windows laptop on the market right now, um, is going to be available from sometime on in uh, early March, uh, late Feb, depending on the regulatory environment. Unfortunately, everything's got to be submitted to ICASA and to various other regulatory bodies for certification because South Africa needs to check that you, the consumer, do not get um, you know, taken by these ruthless international companies. I'm being facetious because I think if it's good enough for America, Europe, and the rest of the world, it probably will work pretty well in South Africa. But anyway, they will be available sometime in the next month. And um, they are without question one of the best-built solid titanium or or magnesium shell, carbon fiber interior, super battery life. We're talking about 20 hours of battery life. That's the only change from the previous model. Using the 8th generation processor, the previous model offered 22 hours of battery life. This one has a slightly smaller, slimmer body, hence a slightly smaller, slimmer battery, and only offers you 20 hours of battery life. And let me tell you, it is liberating to have a laptop where you actually forgot where you put the charger because you don't need to charge it in a normal day of running around, working outside the office, working at the office. It's pretty pretty exceptional. So it will be available from pretty much anywhere that you can find Dell, all the retailers and all the wholesalers, and um, with a range of different features. So if you don't really need a lot of storage, store everything in the cloud, you can use a smaller hard drive, save some money. If you don't do heavy video manipulation, save a little bit of RAM. If you don't need the best screen on the planet, you can get away with a a, a standard... um, 1080 HD touchscreen, uh, and this this model will not have any non-touchscreen version. So look out for it. It's the new. I will do a full review in the next little while. I've only got this one for a few days. It's going down to a show in Cape Town, um, and then I should hopefully get it back for a full review sometime thereafter. But it is impressive what Dell have done with their new XPS 13. It is a superb device, and we'll be back with um, an interesting some specials of the week. I couldn't find any apps I wanted to talk about, but I got a really interesting special that came across my uh, email this morning from Telcom. We'll be back straight after this. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And um, as I said, no apps this week that have really caught my eye, but uh, I'm sure there will be some quite soon. But one thing that did cross my desk, which did look pretty interesting and maybe if you're in the the market for a new phone or a new contract telecom mobile have been doing some really interesting stuff and they've just launched a chinese new year special which is in february for those of you who didn't realize um the chinese new year specials with huawei and they've got eight pretty good mobile deals with handsets and all sorts of free gifts and whatnot 
on their new freemi well not new not so new anymore but their freemi data centric contracts and just to recap of all the i mean there are competitive contracts from all the the other networks out there but the the telecom freemi ones are pretty smart in one respect essentially the contract costs the same as the data so if you buy a gig of data for 99 rand that's what the contract costs if you buy 5 gig of data for 299 rand that's what the contract costs and what they throw in is free calls and something that they call lit which is really pretty impressive so if you stream music from from iTunes uh from um the um Google Music Store or or a couple of others I can't remember exactly which ones they are but quite a few others um it's free of charge if you've got lit data or a lit contract what is more if you watch YouTube videos or you stream from Netflix and from um Showmax to your handset or even if you stream it through to a television again the data is zero rated and it costs you nothing and i must tell you two of my kids or three of my kids are on um telcom freemi and they their data usage has plummeted because what do they do they watch youtubes they listen they stream music i haven't had to buy them additional data since i turned them on to the lit system which is about uh which happened about 3 4 months ago so it actually did save me a lot of money but just for example go to the telcom website have a look at their their deals with Huawei i mean for example um they've got a, a Huawei P8 Lite uh with a, on a free me 1 gig package and they're giving away 30 gigs of data and 2.5 2400 minutes and it goes on there's some really good um some good packages one of them that uh, absolutely works for me is they offering a Mate 10 Pro which is one of their latest cell, uh, phones that I've I've reviewed and been super impressed with on a Freemi 2 gig and with that you get a free P10 Lite uh worth about 5 grand so not bad going and then remember all streaming to music all YouTube all pretty dot intensive video intensive uh packages um are free. So if you're interested, go and have a look at the tel- uh, the Telcom website. They've got a lot more offers on and um you can choose whether you want a uh, Huawei watch or whether you want another free cell phone. Um depending on what you buy, you can actually get some really interesting deals. And generally the new P10, the P the, the P10 is a great phone. The Mate 10 is a super competitive great phone with their Kirin 970 Uh, artificial intelligence processor um and it really uh, makes a big 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 difference being able to stream stuff at no charge and uh to get all these little extras and freemies uh freebies on freemi <laughs> it works quite well and on that note i'm afraid our time has come uh, another another hour has flown by i'll be back next week with um another show full of interesting tech and news and what not so that's going on in the tech world and the the next week is interesting the World Mobile Congress in Barcelona which I will bring you live from Barcelona and we'll see there's some big announcements from Samsung on their brand new S9 we'll get all the details there and a couple of others Nokia have apparently got a big announcement of uh, their flagship phone though not too many phones being launched at Barcelona this year but uh, there will definitely be all the details on 3G uh, apparently Ericsson have announced that they have commercial software you can roll out 5G not 3G 5G um right now or certainly in the next couple of months so 4G will start soon start sounding like old hat and we'll know all about that at World Mobile Congress 
in the next two weeks. So on that note, thanks for joining me. Stay tuned, and uh, I'll be back in a week. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM.